This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean News headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. This podcast is brought to you by Let'sTalkIdeas.org, your budget-friendly custom design firm. Phenomenal Foods by Chef Holly, creative of West Indian-inspired seasonings, and Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands, home of Foxy's Taboo. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Antigua and Barbuda Prime Minister tells COP27, India and China must also pay for costs of climate impacts. United Nations agencies scale up response to Haiti cholera outbreak. Bridge announced between Caribbean, Latin America and Africa for pharmaceutical manufacturing. St. Kitts and Nevis Prime Minister vows continued support for Taiwan and global organizations. U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Brian wins re-election and Dominica main opposition boycotts election. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, November 10th. We start a report in the United Nations Climate Change Conference in Egypt, where Antigua and Barbuda Prime Minister tells COP27 India and China must also pay for loss and damage. Antigua and Barbuda's Prime Minister Gaston Brown addressed the United Nations Climate Change Conference on Tuesday with a call for all major polluters to pay forward towards the proposed climate compensations referred to as loss and damage in the negotiations. Prime Minister Brown, who is also the chair of the Alliance of Small Island States, called on India and China, stating that they must pay climate compensations alongside with major polluters at the ongoing United Nations Climate Change Summit in Egypt. Prime Minister Gaston Brown said, I don't think that there is any free pass for any country. The call comes after climate compensation and financing of the fund is now under discussion. According to reports, the demands to pay for climate finance and compensations have mainly been focused on developed nations like the United States and the United Kingdom. In recent decades, developing countries like China and India are now listed among the biggest polluters in the world. Calls are growing for countries like China and India to also be made liable for the costs of climate impacts disproportionately endured by Caribbean and Pacific small island states. Now on to Haiti, where the United Nations agencies are scaling up the response to Haiti's cholera outbreak. HaitiNews.net reports the United Nations and its partners are scaling up aid to Haiti, which has been hit with a spreading cholera outbreak. The Pan-American Health Organization, the regional office for the Americas of the World Organization, continues to support Haiti's Ministry of Health in epidemiological surveillance, said Stephanie Tremblay, an associate spokeswoman for the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Pan-American Health Organization reporting the outbreak spread last week beyond the metropolitan area of the capital, Port-au-Prince, is distributing medical equipment and therapeutics to the 20 cholera centers operating in the country. Haiti's health ministry reported about 3,500 suspected cases tallied at the end of last month and 400 confirmed cases. The spokeswoman said that since mid-September, the World Food Program reached more than 71,000 people with various assistance, distributing close to 600,000 U.S. dollars in cash 
fish and 530 metric tons of food. The World Food Program delivered more than 43,000 hot meals to internally displaced people at hosting sites and cholera treatment centers in Port-au-Prince. The World Food Program supported 24 of its humanitarian partners with fuel, and its UN Humanitarian Air Service has flown more than 200 missions to aid the response. You're listening to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. Next up, Barbados Today reports Barbados and Rwanda have taken further steps to strengthen their flourishing relationship. The two countries signed an air service agreement, a sports corporation agreement, and along with Guyana, have launched a transatlantic pharmaceutical initiative to develop and manufacture pharmaceuticals for global public health. Barbados Minister of Foreign Affairs Kerry Simmons signed the two agreements on Monday at Kigali Convention Center in Kigali, Rwanda, with Rwandan Minister of Infrastructure and Minister of Sports on the sidelines of the exploratory business mission, Barbados to Rwanda, which is being hosted by Invest Barbados and the Rwanda Development Board. The signing of these agreements comes after Tuesday's launch of a transatlantic bridge between the Caribbean, Latin America, and Africa to develop and manufacture pharmaceuticals for global public health. The CARICOM region is the sixth region of the African Union, and this perhaps represents the most tangible form of healthcare cooperation that we have seen in the post-independence movement between Africa and the Caribbean. Prime Minister the Honorable Mia Motley said during the ceremony which took place on the sidelines of COP 27 in Egypt. This initiative, which was launched with Barbados Prime Minister Motley, President of Guyana Dr. Mohamed Ifran Ali, and President of Rwanda Paul Kagame, aims at the development and manufacturing of 60% of all essential contemporary pharmaceuticals for the populations of Latin America, the Caribbean, and Africa by 2040. The leaders emphasized that all interested countries in the Caribbean, Latin America, and Africa region are invited to join. In other diplomatic news, St. Kitts and Nevis Prime Minister vows continued support for Taiwan in global organizations. Sinkitz Nevis Observer via Taiwan News reports Sinkitz Nevis Prime Minister Terence Drew on Tuesday pledged to continue supporting Taiwan in international organizations. Drew also thanked the Taiwan government for its long-term assistance in his country's development during a banquet hosted by Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, according to a Ministry of Foreign Affairs press release. He also invited the Taiwanese president to visit Sinkitz and Nevis September to celebrate the nation's 40th independence anniversary and the establishment of diplomatic ties with Taiwan. Wu said that Drew visit demonstrates Sinkitz and Nevis's support for Taiwan through practical actions. The foreign minister pointed out the prime minister backed Taiwan's inclusion in the United Nations system during the 77th United Nations General Assembly. Wu said that the two countries have collaborated closely in medical 
medical care, education, tourism, information, and communication, women's empowerment, climate resilience, and sustainable development. He said he looked forward to seeing the two countries continue cooperation, defending shared beliefs in freedom and democracy, and enhancing the well-being of the two peoples. Drew and his delegation is scheduled to depart on November 10th. This is Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com. Now on to elections in the United States Virgin Islands. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports U.S. Virgin Islands sitting Governor Albert Bryan Jr. won Tuesday's gubernatorial race. The two-term leader is the ninth elected governor of the United States Virgin Islands. Bryan sealed his victory over challenger Kurt Bielay, a senator in the 34th legislature of the Virgin Islands. Based on unofficial results from the election system of the Virgin Islands, Mr. Bryan garnered 55.85% territory-wide of the votes. A candidate needs a 50% plus one vote to be declared the outright winner of a gubernatorial race in the general election, according to the election system of the Virgin Islands. The hotly contested election allows Mr. Bryan to move forward with initiatives that have progressed during his tenure, including the rebuilding of the territory's schools damaged during hurricanes Irma and Maria, and rebuilding the territory's hospital. Mr. VLA challenged the governor's record on the pace of recovery projects, nepotism, and alleged failures. But voters decided to elect the governor for a second term, citing his achievements during his first four years, including coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, saving the government employees' retirement system, paying over $250 million in tax refunds, which made the territory come current, something that has not been accomplished in at least the last 30 years. Now here's a look at Dominica's upcoming elections. Sinkitz Nevis Observer via CMC reports the opposition Dominica Freedom Party Wednesday announced it will boycott the December 6 snap general elections, even as the newly formed Team Unity Dominica urged opposition parties to form a coalition to defeat the ruling Dominica Labor Party. The Dominica Freedom Party, which held office between 1980 and 1995, has not fared well in recent general elections, winning just two of 21 seats in the parliament in 2000 and failing to win any seat since the 2005 general election. Dominica Freedom Party leader Bernard Hortal said, the DFP cannot in clear conscience continue to validate a deeply flawed and anti-democratic election process. The DFP will therefore not contest the December 6, 2022 general election, he said, adding that the party now views the election date as a day of liberation. The DFP, which was in government 
between 1980 and 95, when the late Eugenia Charles served as its leader, joins the main opposition, United Workers' Party, in boycotting the election. Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt on Sunday shocked the nation by calling the election three years after he led the DLP to a convincing 18-3 victory over the UWP in the 2019 poll. On Tuesday, Skerritt presented the DLP's list of candidates for the polls at a public meeting in the Capitol. Nomination Day is set for November 18th. This is Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. To share information and upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. And here's our final note. The 12th Annual International Puerto Rican Heritage Film Festival kicks off in New York City. PIX 11 News New York reports November is Puerto Rican Heritage Month, one of the biggest events celebrating its culture and the arts of cinema in the 12th Annual International Puerto Rican Heritage Film Festival. It lasts five days from November 9th to November 13th. The International Puerto Rican Heritage Film Festival is a community film festival that helps highlight the filmmaking of Puerto Ricans in New York City, on the island, and across the globe. Melvin Adaz from Park Slope is excited to be one of the filmmakers showing his work at this year's festival. Adaz, the director and producer of Simple Lucura, Henry Cole, a short documentary film about the life of Henry Cole, a Puerto Rican drummer and composer who is also from New York City. The film tells the life story of Cole, who was orphaned at a young age and became a superstar musician. Ordaz is one of more than 75 filmmakers presenting their works at the festival. This year, there will be a wide variety of films, short animations, and panel discussion with industry leaders. This podcast has been brought to you by Letstalkideas.org, your budget-friendly custom design firm, Phenomenal Foods by Chef Holly, creator of West Indian-inspired seasonings, and Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands, home of Foxy's Taboo. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com. And to share information on upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, November 10th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.